Well, you know, sometimes those uh, self-help things just really don't turn out the way that you hope that they will, and uh, you, you do get the wrong kind of nod from people, particularly people in your family. I want to share a passage of Scripture from out of Romans chapter 9, a couple of verses. Listen to these verses and try to capture in your mind the image that Paul is trying to communicate. He says, But who indeed are you, a human being, to argue with God? Will what is molded say to the one who molds it, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump an object for special use and another for ordinary use? Let's pray. Lord, today we pray that you would speak to us in a way that we can hear and understand. Lord, we pray for those who have gathered here, those who have gathered online, and those who will hear it later. Lord, we'll take what is spoken, we'll hear you speaking through that, that can help all of us become what you want us to be. We make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I want to be the best me possible. How about you? Do you want to be the best you possible? Over the next several weeks, Pastor Jack and I are going to be talking about that journey of how we can become the best you possible. We hope that led by the Holy Spirit and reading through Scripture, we can kind of communicate some of the things that are central to us on that journey of becoming all that God has created us to be and that you and I, we can become better as we take this journey. You know, uh, God is at work among us. And, you know, there's some that have been on this journey to become the best possible you for a long time. You can kind of look at our face and you can tell that. Some of you are newer to that particular journey. And so as a result of that, we hope that God will take us wherever we are and move us on to that place where he wants us to be so that we can be the best you possible. Now, some have been on the journey and have kind of uh, maybe messed up along the way and wonder, can God still take me and do in me what's needed? And the answer to that is yes. Now, as we start this journey in thinking about becoming the best you possible, we need to be aware that there is a narrative out in our world which really doesn't contribute a lot to this. Now, on the surface, it would seem to contribute a lot to it. And the narrative is kind of a partial, maybe a false narrative that says this, I can be anything God, I can be anything I want to be. It says, I can be anything I want to be. Now, that narrative may have some value, and sometimes it helps people to push beyond where they are, but the reality is there is a different narrative that takes us much farther, and this is the narrative. I can be anything and everything God wants me to be. I can be, you can be, anything and everything that God wants you to be. And that kind of lays the foundation for what we're going to talk about here this morning. Paul, in Romans chapter 9, he gets into a discussion. If you were to go back and read chapter 9, you would probably kind of walk away scratching your head a bit because it's a very dense and complex argument that Paul is talking about how the Jews fit into God's plan. And quite literally, we could spend hours trying to kind of break that apart and figure out what Paul's talking about. But in the middle of his discussion, he offers this wonderful little metaphor that even... I can understand. And I really appreciate when I get those nuggets in the Scripture. And it's this. He talks about the potter 
and the clay. And he says, does the clay say to the potter, why did you make me this way? We know that the potter has control over what the clay is to become. That's very important to understand. Now, this metaphor of potter and clay is one that is found often in Scripture. Matter of fact, you find it just in the very opening of the Bible. In, in Genesis chapter 2, in this story of God's creation, you find God has created this beautiful garden. And God discovers that someone is needed to take care of that garden. And so, God plays the role of a potter. And this is what the storyteller in Genesis 2 tells us. It says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Hebrew word here translated as formed into the English is the same word, root word, where it is the work of a potter, and it's also the word, the root word for potter. In other words, God plays the role of potter in creating human beings. That metaphor is found in other places in the Bible. For example, to the most prominent prophets in the Old Testament, Isaiah and Jeremiah, they use this same metaphor about the potter and the clay. Now, when they use it, they tend to use it in relationship to the nation of Israel and how God is at work molding that nation of Israel. And then again, we find the concept repeated again as we move into the New Testament. For example, when Paul writes to the Ephesians, he writes... And he says that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God had in mind, in other words, what he wants you to do as a part of his kingdom. He had that in mind in advance. And then we find these words written, spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, who is speaking, God is speaking to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah records the words that he heard, and he says, God speaking, I formed you in the womb. I knew you before you were born, and I set you apart, appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now again, that little word formed, I formed you in the womb. While you're still in your mama's belly, I formed you. That's the same word as the work of a potter. We are a lump of clay that God has plopped onto the potter's wheel. And he's done that in order to make us a unique, unrepeatable miracle of God. When you came in, you should have received a little sticker. Now, these won't stick. These have to go on a smooth surface somewhere. I thought about the top of my head, but I, I'm not sure they quite stick up there. But, but put this on your mirror. Put this on your refrigerator. If you didn't get one, pick up one as you walk out. If you want to take a friend one, be sure to do that. But we need to know that we are unique, unrepeatable miracles of God. God has a design for you and for me. We are unique, unrepeatable miracles of God. Now, on a personal level, I don't have really any experience with being a potter. But I do have a, a hobby that I do that is very related. Uh, back when COVID, back two, two year, two, a little bit over two years ago when COVID began and we were in the, the middle of lockdown, uh, I headed down to my workshop in the basement to, uh, uh, to do some woodwork. And I'd had an old lay that I'd had for a number of years that had been given to me, and I decided I want to try to turn bowls. Now, I'd use that lathe sparingly through the years, 
but I, I decided that I would attempt to, uh, uh, to start turning bowls. I was inspired by a man in this church by the name of B.R. Blair, who is a master bowl turner. I mean, he creates some beautiful stuff. But anyway, I, 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 I started turning some bowls on that old lathe, and I quickly discovered I needed a new lathe. That's the way I roll, by the way. That's the way I roll. And I, I bought a, a lathe. Patty didn't know that, and it arrived. She said, what's that, Dwight? But anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> anyway, I started turning lathes. And at this point, I would say that I am an advanced novice in bowl turning. I've probably turned about 40 or so bowls over the past couple of years. And I've discovered a lot in that process. And I've discovered that uh, uh, as a turner... It is I who has the determination on how that bowl turns out. Now, there are some characteristics that the bowl may have that influences that. I mean, a bowl may have uh, uh, its particular size will influence the kind of bowl it is, uh, you know, whether it has some kind of defect in it. You know, it may have a knot in it. It may be spalded, which means it's sat in water and it's kind of discolored, which creates kind of a beautiful bowl in it. I it's on right. And there's all these factors that go in it, but the turner determines what the bowls are. I, I, I brought a couple that I, I keep in my office, and it's interesting that these two bowls here are, are just pieces of wood that came off of this property. This is part of a Bradford pear that uh, the limb broke off on one of our trees down in the drive-in uh, off of Amos Road. This is an ash that came out of an ash tree that went down, and these are some segmented bowls back here. But, but it is the potter. It is the turner who determines what that bowl will look like. Now, in, in, in wood turning, sometimes as a bowl is being turned, a defect is revealed. Sometimes the bowl cracks and it has to be repaired. But all of that goes into the character of what the bowl turns out to be. Sometimes that bowl pops off of the lathe and has to be put back on. And so it is in our lives. God, as the master turner, takes our defects, takes our popping off the wheel, puts us back together to create in us who he wants us to be, to make us the best you possible. Now, Jonathan, a few moments ago, did something very uh, Methodist. He did a, a song uh, called the Wesley Covenant Prayer. And so I want to kind of go on that basis of a part of our heritage as United Methodists. As United Methodists, there is a, there's a word that's important to our theological understanding called sanctification. Say that word with me, sanctification. Now, doesn't that just make you feel more religious having said that word? Yeah, it is one of those words, isn't it? So sanctification. What is sanctification? Sanctification basically means being made holy, okay? So God wants to make us holy. Now, I like to think of it as this. I like to think of sanctification as the process by which God makes you and me to become all that He has created us to be, all right? The process, sanctification, the process for you to become all that God has created you to be. All that God has created you to be. Now, sometimes people think that our faith as Christians is a matter of being saved, 
so that we get our ticket into heaven. Now, that's important. But we are as much interested in, as United Methodists in getting folks to heaven. We are also equally wanting to get heaven into people now. That's sanctification. And God wants to form you to become the best you possible. Now, God's design for us has many different facets. God wants you to be a mature follower of Jesus Christ. He wants to grow you up in the faith. God wants to be at work in your life to make that happen. God also wants you to be mature emotionally, spiritually, physically. And God is at work to make that happen. And as you mature, you become this unique person. No one else is exactly like you. God also has some vocational purposes in mind for you. He's got in mind what you can best do in this world to make this world a better place. It might be being an educator. It might be being an engineer. It might be being a, a leader of worship. It might be uh, working on an assembly line. It may be running a business. But God has in mind how you can best serve this world. But God also wants you to serve within His kingdom. He wants you to be a part of the church and He's designed us in special ways so that we fit and we can minister and make a difference in people's lives and the world around us. And for some, it may be serving in hospitality and greeting folks. For others, it may be leading a small group. Again, there's lots of different ways. But God is designing us to be the best possible you possible. And all these facets are a part of doing so. Uh, several years ago, a pastor by the name of Rick Warren, who serves a church out in California, uh, wrote a book, and that book actually became a movement called The Purpose Driven Life. Now, some of you in here are too young to remember much about that, and others of you remember a lot about it because you're like I am. There's a lot of memories that you have of things in the past. But in that uh, book, we learned that in Rick Warren's church, uh, they had a, an instrument that they used to help people discover how God had shaped them. And they used that word shaped as a way of helping people to understand. So shape means spiritual gifts, heart, um, abilities, uh, passions, and experience. And they use that to help people see how they were designed. You see, God has given to you some spiritual gifts. God has given to you a, a heart. God has given to you these things to help you become the best you possible. Now, wood and clay are inanimate objects, meaning... They can't talk back. The clay can't talk back to the potter, and the wood can't talk back to the turner. Okay? But you know we're not wood and clay. We're not passive objects on a potter's wheel or a passive piece of wood on a lathe. We have a part to play in becoming 
who God has created us to be. We have a part in becoming the best you possible. You see, we can actually resist becoming what God has designed us to be. We can object and we can pop ourselves off that potter's wheel and kind of refuse what God is trying to do in us. So how do we, first of all, know what God has designed us to be so that we can be moving in that direction? Then how do we cooperate with God in becoming all we can be, the best you possible? Well, first of all, I want you to understand that the discovery part seldom happens in an instant. It's not as though God's going to shine some divine light onto you and say, Pastor Jacqueline, this is what I've called and created you to be. Now, there will probably be moments when some of that will happen. You had a calling to ministry, didn't you, to be a pastor. You can, you can identify that, can't you, Amen. Pastor Jacqueline? But you're still living out what that means, right? I am too. I am too. And along that faith journey, as we walk with Jesus Christ, along this normal life in Christ, God's revelation of what He wants us to be comes along in that journey. It's as though we're traveling along a highway and and out there is, is we know that God wants us to go for that, but, but as the closer we get, the clearer what it looks like as we approach what God wants us to be becoming the best you possible. So it becomes very important in our journey that we stay loyal and faithful to Christ, that we practice those exercises that make a difference. Now, here at OUMC, we have a little tool that we use called the Discipleship Pathway. It helps us in ministry, and there you can see it on the, on the screen. You can also go on the website, and you can find it uh, on the website as well. And this identifies, in part, how we practice ministry as a church, but also it, it, it tells about exercises that are critical in all of our lives on this faith journey, eight basic exercises Sounds like a lot, but these are essential, I believe, in our faith development. We have worshiping together as a community, praying, being a part of a small group, uh, reading and study of Scripture, uh, serving in the life of the church, uh, giving, generosity, uh, committed to acts of kindness, and being invitational, inviting people into the church, into our community. We believe that through those exercises, God works in our lives to help develop us into the people God's created us to be the best you possible. Now, again, going back to some Methodist understanding, uh, we have a, have a term or a, a phrase that we use for those kinds of activities. We call them means of grace. Means of grace basically are channels through which God's grace flows into our lives so that God's work can be done inside of us. Now, that is not so much a mechanical process. It's not as though that uh, if you come to church four times in worship, if you pray five prayers, and if you read your Bible six days in a row, then you're going to grow two inches as a follower of Jesus Christ. 
It doesn't exactly happen that way. But as we do those practices, as they're incorporated into our lives, as they become a part of who we are, God then works in us to grow us into who He wants us to be. Means of grace. I have the privilege and responsibility, and I've had this for several years, of being on our district board of ordained ministry. And in that role, basically, we uh, interview candidates and work with candidates who feel some kind of calling to serve as primarily pastors in the United Methodist Church, sometimes serve in church vocation. And, and I've had the privilege of, of listening to a lot of stories while I've been on the board. And on the board, I've heard people share how that in their journey with Jesus, just their living out their faith, how God has reached out to them and called them into ministry. It's always a thrill when I hear a young adult talk about how that when they went to Resurrection, which is a retreat, a Christian retreat that our conference does for youth, how that at that retreat in, in, in uh, Pigeon Forge or Gatlinburg, how that they felt a call to ministry. Along this journey, God calls out to us. And as we live out our ordinary life of faith, God speaks to us to guide us to where He wants us to be. You know, as one on this journey, I received a call into uh, ministry when I was a teenager. But I've spent a lifetime living out what that call is and how it operates in my own life. Often my prayer is, God... Help me to know what you want me to be and help me to go there. Let's pray. Father, we know that you have a dream for us. Lord, you want us to be the best you possible. And Lord, help us now to live into your master plan. Lord, we give ourselves to you. Lord, for those today who just need to start that journey, Lord, I pray that they would say yes to Jesus. And Lord, for those who've been on the journey for a long time and are still becoming, Lord, walk with us all. Lord, and we submit to you. Lord, be the potter. We are the clay. Amen.